Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. We begin to talk a little bit, and I, and I would see some of the marketing materials that, they're, that the company that they were using gave them. And sometimes they were pretty snazzy. They were different colors on them, and they looked they look nice. And I thought, man, we're so darn cheap. All we want to do is black and white and a scratch pad you know, while you're out or, or a notes thing or whatever. And we, we would give you know, the things to do. We would give those things away. And so I went back to my company president. I said, listen, we're in the top 50 printers in the United States, quick printers. Okay? We're ranked that high. We're the, easily the best in town. And when I go into these corporations that we're trying to get into, they're using so-and-so or so-and-so and the stuff, and I, they're using color on theirs. They're doing these things, and we're still using black and white. We should show them what we can do by using color. Is it really going to cost us that much more to put color on it? In fact, color raises your awareness by 38%. At the time, that's what it was. And this is what he did. And I know he's not listening today, so I can do this. He, he, he got indignant and defensive because I suggested such a thing. In other words, what we were doing wasn't good enough somehow. And how dare I say that? Because I like what we're doing, thank you very much. And so here's what he did. He, he opened up his drawer, and he pulled out a file, and he started pulling out all of the marketing materials that we had done over the years, even before I ever got there. And he said, we did this, and we did this, and, you know, he goes, and as far as I can tell, we're doing a lot better now than we were back then. And I'm like, well, so what? Is that enough for you, that we're better than we used to be and going to leave it there? If all you bank on is where you are today and you're satisfied with that, and you look back and it's better than it was, well, you'll never ascend anything more. And everybody else is going to run circles around you because they're striving to be better. They know they're not as good as us. But they can look like they are. And they're going to get the business. People are loyal only to a point. They want to be pizzazzed. They want you to show them what you can do. And he, he, he wouldn't listen. And you know, friends, it, th- I think that happens in the church today. I think, I think we get to a point where we're so content with where we are and we look at where we used to be and think, well, I'm a lot better than I used to be. Right. I mean, I, I remember when I compromised this, compromised that, I don't anymore, so hey. And here, here's the killer right here. Well, you know, have you looked over here at so-and-so? <laughs> I'm way better than them. Has anybody done that? I know I'm better than so-and-so, so that's all I need to really be now. Like you're going to set the bar based on so-and-so, which is lower than you. And Christ is like, but wait a minute, but my bar is up here. 
Why would you settle for this when what I offer is here? And we almost want to say it because we like it there. We feel good about ourselves. We feel good about who we are or what we've done. And we're better than we used to be. What are you going to say to him when he says, I have, you did these things, but I have this against you. Well, I'm better than I used to be. What's Christ going to say? Do you see how silly that is to even mention that? And that's exactly what we have to talk about today. Don't compromise the truth. In the church that God desires, there can be no question, my friends, that God doesn't want us to compromise his truth. I think that's pretty evident that he does not want us to compromise the truth as he's given it to us. Would you agree? Anybody not agree? Friends, you've got to wake up here. Hello? Okay. I'm glad somebody does. Listen, this is exactly what the church with his name on it has done. We have compromised the truth. In fact, we've done it so much that we are now a church divided. Aren't we? Now, be honest. We don't look at people from other churches and recognize that we're members of the church of Jesus Christ. We look at the people and say, well, what church do you attend? And we define ourselves by that. Not by Christianity, but by where we go. And then we start thinking about what that church is, who the pastor is or the staff is, who goes there, where it is, how much money they have, how big they are. That's how we define the church today. But that's not how God defines it, nor will God ever define it that way. Of course, a church divided is exactly what Satan wants. Isn't it? Isn't that what he wants to do? Divide the church? So in this passage, Jesus is being clear about what he wants from the church, which is us. We're the church, right? It isn't the church building. This building may be here and it may not. But the church will remain. Because Jesus said it would. And so, as we look at what Jesus is saying, he explains how we're supposed to stand spiritually, how we're supposed to stand doctrinally, and more importantly, perhaps, how we're to stand morally. That's what he's looking for. And the only way we can do it is if we stand on God's truth and never, ever compromise on it. And I got news for you. It's going to be very easy to do. In fact, you're going to be pressured to do it. Satan's subtle. But he's good at what he does. And if we look at what Jesus is saying in the passage, there are absolutely things that are non-negotiable. They're non-negotiable. But we've been taught today that if you don't get what you want, negotiate. Yeah? Start out low and get more. Or start out high and get less. That's what we do. But God says, no. There's no negotiating with me. I set the tone. This is the way things are. You conform. But our society has taught us, you don't have to conform to anything. And if you squawk loud enough, you get what you want. I'll bet you, after yesterday, some people will be doing that tomorrow. Maybe even today. 
trying to return things that you didn't like. Don't fit. Or don't need. See, in stores have policies, and you have been taught that policies were made to be broken. Sometimes they'll relent, sometimes they won't, but you'll always try. Because we always want to get as much as we can. Yeah? Because that's what we've been taught to do. But Jesus tells his church and the church of today that they have a new nature. He told Pergamum that, and he's telling you and I that. We have a new nature. And because of the new nature, we ought to be different. Different than what? Everybody else. If the nature of Christ in the spirit that resides in you changed your nature, which it should, because it does if you let it in, then you're different than everybody else. And if you remain faithful, you'll have a new name, he says. Now, he commends them for their ministries and for their sanctification and their maturity, which is a wonderful thing. But he also confronts them about their toleration of false teachers, those who deceive the people and who lead them to immorality and idolatry. That's what happened here. It's also happening in the church today. There are false teachers who are leading people in immorality and idolatry. I shouldn't have to tell you what those subjects are and who's doing it. Because you already know. You know what the biggest problem is today? I don't know. I don't know if we're right or they're right. I'm not sure. Because the Bible, you know, it's kind of vague sometimes. I don't know. And you know, God does love everybody. We're not denying that. I've never denied that God loves everyone. As a parent, I loved all my children. I love all my grandchildren. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to line them up here and there. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you, not them. They're going to test you. They're going to push the limits. And if you're a parent or a grandparent that allows them to do that, well, <laughs> who's the problem? Well, you are. And you know some people don't want to hear that. And yet, it's right here. God said that. I didn't. And it's the right thing to do. Sure, your attitude's got something to do with it. Do it for the right reasons. And I, I, how many of you have been told, this is going to hurt me more than it does you? Anybody? <laughs> and I don't think it ever hurt Dad more than it hurt me, right? And maybe Dad didn't do everything right. And maybe I didn't do everything right. Maybe you won't do everything right. But you still have to be the parent. Because God called you to that. And he called you to be a Christian, and he put his spirit in you to know the difference. You should be different from everybody else. And if you aren't, then there's something wrong. And so this passage encourages us to stand firm and to refuse to compromise. In fact, the Lord says to them uh, in this, and us in this passage, don't compromise your spirituality in verses 12 to 13. He says, don't compromise doctrinally in 14 and 15, and don't compromise morally in 16 and 17. So let's look at that. So what does, it, what does it mean not to compromise spiritually? Well, the Lord lets the saints know that he knows where they live. He says, I, I know where you live. I get it. I'm there with you. I know you live in a cesspool. I know you live in a world and in a city and in an area that is rank. I know it. Don't think I don't know because I know everything. Because here's what happens. 
If, if when we talk to God, and they probably did it too, well, you know, God, I have an excuse after all. I live in a cesspool. What do you want from me? God said, look, I already know where you live, but you don't have to be like it. You don't have to participate in it. You don't have to do what the Joneses, no Joneses here today, right? You don't have to do what your neighbors are doing. You don't have to participate in that stuff. You don't have to think like them. You don't have to do what they do. And you don't have to let your children do what their children do. And you and I have had had this conversation with our kids before. Well, everybody else is doing it. And you know the the, always the retort to that. Well, if they're going to throw themselves off a cliff, are you going to do it too? <laughs> Today, I'm afraid they might. But you see, this is this is it. This is our our this is our what we gauge it by. Well, if ever if, if enough people are doing it, it must be okay. Isn't that what we do? If if enough people with the right names are doing it, well then, I mean, look at it politically. You can see it all day long. Do I give a rip? Honestly with some of these people who write songs and perform on television, what they think? Do I care? No. So quit citing them then. When the news media comes out and says, well, so-and-so thinks this, I'm thinking, well, that person is deranged in the brain. Why in the world would I care what they think? Because they're surely going to go off the cliff. Okay? Come on now. Why? Because they, they're popular? Yeah, that's exactly why. Clint Eastwood even said, I had no business running for mayor. I had no business being elected for mayor. I didn't even have to campaign. He said, I won the mayor of Carmel, California. Why? Because I'm Clint Eastwood. And that wasn't even really my name. (laughs) That's what he said. Why was he elected? Listen, guys. He actually ended up being a pretty good mayor, but that's not the point. You see, this is, this is how we operate. Jesus is telling these people, I know where you live. I get it. You, you, you don't have to tell me. I know. I know you're living in a world and a society where Satan rules. I get it. He's telling you and me too. I know you live there. I knew where you would live. I created you. And if I didn't think you could handle it, you wouldn't be there. Because that which is in you is stronger than that which is around you. That's the difference, you see. I know that's Satan's throne. I know that's his backyard. I know he's king there. But not for long. Not for long. Sure, the saints were living in an area where Satan was ruling. He resided and ruining lives. I get that. They've been in the middle of evil, but yet they hadn't given in to it. And Christ tells them, you're holding on to my name. You didn't deny your faith in me. You see, the saints in Pergamum had remained faithful even in the face of death, friends. And and that's something we haven't dealt with yet. Not really. They were being killed if they didn't conform. The hatred for them was that high. Now, I'm not going to deny that the day will come, probably here, that that's going to happen. If I understand Revelation as as I think I do, yeah. I have more to say on that one day, but yes, I think it could happen. But let's face it, probably none of us got out of our house today, got in our car, and were fearful that we might lose our lives because we're coming here. But for them, 
Yeah. Here's my question to you. How many people do you think would be here today if that was a threat? If, if you really didn't know, if you could get to church and get back home safely, would you go? COVID's kept people away. And that's just a risk. What about certain death? Somebody taking your life, taking you captive, arresting you. Would you go? There's the answer. Most people wouldn't. And, and, and God's saying, listen, you think I don't know? And yet, they didn't compromise spiritually. They continued to worship the Lord. They continued to meet together. And hey, it would have been easy to do, wouldn't it? I mean, it's easier to go along with what the majority think or what the majority are doing because you kind of blend in and you're kind of flying under the radar, and that's what we want to do. Nobody wants attention called to them. It's easier to run with the pack than it is to stand against them when they're wrong. And yet, <laughs> I think we've dabbled in that a time or two. Why? Because we don't want to hear backlash from people. And friends, here's the thing. One person even told me, I know that my family members and people that I deal with are wrong. I know what they're saying is completely against the scripture. But the problem with it is, I don't, my argument isn't good enough. What do you mean it's not good enough? Well, I don't think I know the Bible well enough so when they come back at me, I don't know what to say. Well, that's on you then. You should know. You should know that God says no, and so it's no. God says you don't do this because you don't do this. And that's good enough for me. But friends, if you're not in the word of God, you'll never know. Then you start to compromise because you're going to start to question and guess. And listen, this isn't new. And our challenge today is to do likewise. When the devil is seeking to redefine marriage, he's trying to redefine the family, trying to redefine gender, and more than that, redefine human worth. Come on, that, we, we should post that somewhere. Satan's trying to redefine those things, isn't he? And maybe the first few you get, what about human worth? Come on, he's redefining that too. How? Well, I mean, abortion is proof enough, don't you think? But what about all these tragedies where people kill others because they're upset? Walk in and start killing people. Come on. And, and what about these, these, these people who are uh, encouraging others to commit suicide? Are you kidding me? Somebody just got, a, just got sentenced for that. Because she told her boyfriend, why don't you just go ahead? <laughs> That's devaluing human worth. Of course it is. Because somehow life will be better if you do. Well, there is no life if you do. Unless it's eternal, and that's up to God now. So, you, you see, this is, this is how Satan has desensitized us to the things of God. And he's going to continue to do it too, by the way. And there's more on that coming as well. And so, friends, we have to hold on to the name of Christ, because that's what he said. We can do this by walking with him, witnessing for him, engaging in spiritual warfare through the Holy Spirit of Christ. And I listen, I know that that's scary. I know that spiritual warfare is difficult. And I know it's a place that not everybody wants to be. Because it's, it's more the unknown than it is the known. 
Because it's no longer your control or your authority or your power or what you can do. It's what's in you that does it. And listen, if, if, you're, if you're not filled up with spirit power, <laughs> you have no business engaging in spiritual warfare. Yeah? And I think that's our biggest fear. Just like we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the power. And who's that on? Is it on God because it's not available? He didn't give it? No. It's on you. And so that's where we have to go. Now, you can know the truth and you can live the truth. It's up to you whether you do it or not. So, I, I, listen, friends, I realize that we could start over here and go all up and down the row and we could all take IQ tests and I'll bet you there'd be varying degrees of IQ that we have in this building. I don't care what they are. God doesn't care what they are. God wants to know if you'll give the best of your ability to him. So I was asking. I remember years and years ago as a, as a young, dumb Lance Corporal. I was way smarter than the other Lance Corporal that worked in the S1 shop that I, that I was in. And out of the blue one day, I saw his, his name was on the list to go to um, stand before a, a board that he was up for Meritorious Corporal promotion. And I was like, I was stunned. And of course, I thought that was wrong. And I went to the sergeant and that was involved, that was admin chief of our office. And I said, wait a minute. This kid can't do half the things I do. He's not near as good at it when he does it as I am. He said, no. But when he's here, he gives everything he's got. And he doesn't spin his wheels and screw off like you do. <laughs> but look at the work. It, it doesn't matter. If you would put in full effort... You, you, you would be the clear leader and the one we would put there. And so you better believe from that point forward after I got over my bad attitude. Okay. <laughs> he didn't get it, by the way. He wasn't selected. But that month forward and three months later, I went before that board and I got it. Friends, it's all here and here, every bit of it. You decide and determine what you're going to do. Either you're going to give full effort into the kingdom or you're going to give a portion of yourself. And don't think God doesn't know what you're given. Okay? Don't think God doesn't know. So, and, and this is what I would say to you. Don't listen to Satan or the people he uses to get you to compromise. Don't. No matter what it costs you, never compromise spiritually, ever. That's the key. Secondly, Jesus says, don't compromise doctrinally. And we're thinking, well, wait a minute. Here's a spirituality and doctrine. Don't they go? Yeah, they kind of go, the same, but they're not the same. They go together, but they're not the same. So after Jesus commends the people of Pergamum, he now turns and confronts them. And this is, this is the one that I hate the most. I told you that, you know. Butter them up and then tell them, well, but I got this against you. He confronts them about allowing themselves <clears throat> to be influenced by the false teachings of Balaam in the, in, the, in the Nicolaitans. You see, there were people in the church who were following teachings that were contrary to the teachings of Christ. Now, I'm sure that doesn't happen today, right? Or does it? Are there people in the church or churches that live a Christianity that is contrary to the teachings of Christ? Well, come on. Really? Of course there are. And this is the thing. We know it, but we sort of kind of 
turn a blind eye to it and say, well, but we're not doing it, though. Friends, is, does God want you who are doing it right to say, but as long as I'm not doing it, it's okay? No. In fact, Paul even says it in Romans 1. He says, not only are, you know, you might not be doing it, but you're agreeing and letting the people get away with it who are doing it. You have a responsibility to stand up and say no. That goes back to that, I'm giving this part of myself, but not this part. See, we we'll only give as much that will not cause us grief. Well, we don't make too many waves, make too many enemies, cause too many questions. We don't want to be in the limelight because we don't want to be attacked next. Do you think Satan discerns that? He's going to attack you regardless of what you do. And the only time that I can see that he's going to stop is if you turn on God altogether. And even then, he'll come back for good measure once in a while. Friends, either you're all the way in with God or you're all the way in with Satan. It's up to you. People say, no, 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 no. There's the middle of the road somewhere. God said, no, no, there's not. Satan will tell you there is, though. That's why, as Christians, this is what we'll do. We'll set the bar where we think it is, and we'll say, okay, God, I'm going to do what I think is necessary to get into heaven. That's what I'll do. That's as far as I'm going. Now, has anybody done that before? Come on. Because that's what I think is required of me. God has never said, well, if you get this, that's where you're at. No, but you know why? Because the bar is different for everybody. It, you'll say, well, that's not fair. Yes, it is, because God knows what your ability is. The, there's a place where everybody has to reach, and then there's the part where you have to reach. And because otherwise, you could go back and say, but I'm better than Pastor Bob. I'm better than Patty. I'm better than whoever. God says, I don't care if you're better than them. You're not where you could be. That's, on, that's between me and them. You be where I need you to be. That's the key. And aren't you glad Christ gave his all for you? What if he said, I don't know, Father. Maybe I'll just do this. Where would we be? I think we live life every day, given partiality. Teaching things is contrary to the word of God or allowing it is doctrinal compromise. In fact, doctrinal compromise is when we take the truth, we modify it so it appears to still be the truth, right? And then begin teaching it as the truth. And over time, it just becomes the truth. We've done it in schools. Yeah, I can prove it. <laughs> I'm not being mean about it. I'm just, I can prove it. We've done it. If there's something we don't want to teach, we won't. Because we don't want to offend somebody. I can remember when prayer was in the church every, or in the school every day. I remember when you, it was the standard. I remember the Pledge of Allegiance under God every day. And now in schools, if they allow the Pledge of Allegiance, you can't say under God. Now listen, friends. This nation became a nation because we were under God or what happened. You, you, you do know that, right? But we're teaching it. And so the kids today, it, it, it's just, this is just the way things are. They never had that, so they don't know. It's normal to them, just like the truth is for us now. 
It's become that. If you do it long enough, enough people believe it, that's all you know, that's the truth. And aren't you surprised when you find out it isn't? You'll even question. But wait a minute, all my life I believed this. That's Christianity. When you get saved, all your life you believe this, and now Christianity is teaching you this, you struggle with that at some point for a little while to determine whether you're going to go all in with, in with God or stay all in with Satan. It's up to you. And when people tell me, well, you know, I, I, I'm working on it. No, no, no. Either you're saved or you aren't. Now, you can work on the next step. That's fine. I get it. You can work on your sanctification. I'm cool there. Everybody does. But either you're in or you're out. And when Christ comes to earth, friends, or meets in the clouds, you're either going to be in him or you're not. It, 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 people, and listen, there are people in the church that will say, no. <laughs> yes. Either you're in or you're out. And if you're in and you're in the grave, the grave is going to open, you're going to go to him. Yes or no? And if you're on earth, you're going to be transformed. And the Bible says we'll all be with the Lord forever. And those who aren't in him, they're going to remain on earth or in the grave. Yes or no? Fact. But there are people in the church today that think that that's misinterpreted. Because they want it to be. Satan wants it to be. It's the easy out. This is what has happened in the modern church. And so when we start making things the truth, it might be a subtle change at first. Pretty soon, it's modified even more until it no longer looks anything like the truth that God put into place. And yet, it's still true to us because it's always been that way. Even when it isn't. It's happened throughout time, but it's getting even worse now. So we're going to have to steer clear of this doctrinal compromise. We're going to have to believe, teach, and live by what Christ said. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Colossians 3. He said, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, I have to be honest with you. Everything I've done over the last month wasn't necessarily to the glory and name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and when I read that, I realize I need to be better with it. Yeah? It's just, that's, that's part of it. That's the growth, you see. But when we compromise doctrinally, when we begin to believe, when we begin to believe certain things that won't benefit him or his kingdom, that's a problem. And that's your test. It's no wonder we want to compromise because we want everything to benefit us. We want to be the benefactor. Even in church we do. I'm going right back. See how we come full circle? We go to church because we like the music or the worship or the people that's there or the location or the pastor or the messages or whatever. That's why we go. And as soon as we don't like something, we're gone. We'll go find somewhere else that likes us very much. And that's what we're going to do. Because it suits us. You know the bigger problem here? We're so worried about things that will benefit us in this life. We're not even worried about the next one. And you should be. The next one is the one you ought to be worried about. That's the one you ought to see if you're benefited there. 
So the test is, if something benefits you in this life, maybe you should take a close look at it. But if you can say that what you're pursuing benefits the kingdom of God as a whole, or it benefits the second life, well, now we're on to something. That's a test right there. And you know what? We'll not do it because we don't want the answer. Because it causes us to have to change or do something different or stop doing something we're doing. And let's face it, we don't want to do that. So we're going to have to allow the Bible to shape how we think, how we feel, how we live. And this is especially true when it comes to the truths that Christ put into play. We can't allow for non-biblical thoughts and teachings about Christ to take root in our hearts, our minds, our lives, or our churches. Because pretty soon, they become the truth as we know it. We can't do uh, compromise doctrinally, no matter the cost. We're going to have to hold firm. We also, thirdly, cannot compromise morally. You know, and people are saying, but isn't that the same thing? Well, they overlap a lot, but they're different. And I know that because Jesus says they do. He's the one who brought these things up. He made it clear that these false teachers were influencing the people in the church to engage in idolatry and immorality. He says, look, I know where you live. I know what's going on around you. But you don't have to do it. Okay? Nowhere in the scripture does it say if you can't beat them, join them. That might be what people made up, but God didn't. And as night follows day, moral compromise always comes when there's spiritual and doctrinal compromise. They all go together. In fact, what you believe completely influences how you behave. <laughs> yeah? Uh, go back a little bit. I've told some of you this story before, so I've heard it. Back to Express Press when I was a, a rep there. I repped out of the South End office, and I also was asked to rep out of the Michigan City office, which I did. And we had other reps that did Niles, Michigan, and yeah, anyway. And so I was the only rep that was repping out of the Michigan City office. And as I began to go up there once a week, I, there was a guy that would come into the shop once in a while, uh, and he and his wife did desktop publishing. Not going to tell you his name. Anyway, this guy was vile. I mean vile. The words out of his mouth, the things he would say, especially around women and things like that. And, of course, everybody would chuckle, but I didn't think it was that funny because it got to the point where, you know, it wasn't once in a while. It was all the time. And our desktop publishing at the South End office was a certain rate, and when we would do desktop publishing to print for clients, the Michigan City office found that they could do it for less money with somebody externally. Now, that used to make people in South Bend very upset because we're trying to, the whole company wants the right bottom line. But in order to get the jobs, and he would explain it, the guy who ran it would say, but Michigan City isn't South Bend. Michigan City has a lower income rate, except for the people that come in with boats. Other than that, the people that live here, no. It's a lower income rate, it's, it's a lower standard, and because of that, we can't compete with the rates that we have. So we have to use, cut the bottom line somewhere, and we're using the external, and he got away with it for a little while. Anyway, this guy was doing it. And out of the blue one day, <laughs> they were sitting around 
the table in the back where they would do um, uh, cut paper and fold documents and that, that sort of thing. And so I, I sat down with them. We would all every now and then have lunch together and, and we'd get ribs or whatever and have lunch. And, and I remember there was a newspaper article in the Michigan City paper and they were reading it and they were just all shaking their heads and they slid it over to me and I read it. And it was about a statue in this Episcopal or Greek Orthodox something church. And it was, it was supposedly uh, crying and leaking out of the hands where, where Christ did. Okay? And so, of course, that made news media and they went to take pictures of it. And, but that wasn't what got me. It was the pastor standing next to it that was the, the focus of the article. And I looked at it and I said, isn't that the guy? And they go, yeah. They said. And we all had this like eerie silence for a minute. And, I'm, and, I, and I, my mind's scrolling back to all of the things that I'd seen him do. All the things he said. And it's hard for me to put that in this together because it shouldn't be. I mean, they were that different of a person. And one of the young men sitting there broke the silence and said, kind of makes you wonder about his religion, don't it? Now, you and I both know it should be, doesn't it? But he said, don't it? And I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. You see, friends, this is, this is what happens in the church sometimes. We will compromise certain things, and people will assume we're this. And then you'll find out, or they'll tell you later that, you know, you'll explain to them that you go to church or you're a Christian, they'll be like, what? Now, I, I realize that there, there's a big difference between perception of Christianity and real Christianity. I get it. You know, I've had people tell me, Pastor Bible tell you, it's happened to him too. Uh, people will say, I can't believe you wouldn't do this, what, and you call yourself a Christian. And I want to tell them, well, look, you're not one, so how would you know? I, I get that, okay? But this was clear. And I think there are clear lines of that. Friends, <laughs> what happens when we compromise morally is we no longer have a conscience about it. We no longer have a conscience. We simply do what we want, and we say, look, this is what I believe. I thought it out. It makes sense to me. So, you know, I, I think I'm a Christian. So because I think I am, I think I know what Jesus would do and what God would command. So I must be right. And I want to say to him, well, have, have, have you actually been in the Word of God lately? I actually had a young man tell me one time, because he was telling me what he thought. He, he was a Christian. And he told me, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to church, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. And he was talking about things that, to me, weren't Christian. And I said, have you read this? He, well, I've, I've scanned it. You've scanned it? Do you think God gave you his word so you could scan it and say you're a Christian? And all he could say was, well, that's what I believe. Good for you. Are you going to do that when you meet the Savior of the world? Well, that's what I believe. Because I think he's going to say something else to you. And if I read the scripture right, I know he is. You're going to say all the things that you did. This is what Jesus is talking about. We're going to list all of the things that we did. He's going to say, I know. I know. And then he's going to say, away from me, you evildoer. Why? 
I never knew you. You did good things in my name. You called yourself Christian. You told everybody you were. But you didn't do what I said. Friends, that's the problem. Just because it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck doesn't mean it is. And the church is the same. I have walked into churches before. And listen, I'm trying not to judge churches, but I've walked in there. And if, if there's no prayer anywhere in the scripture or anywhere in the service, I, I'm, I'm wary. If they don't spend time reading any scripture out of the word, I, I'm, I'm wary. When we get to a point where all we want to do is entertain people with the music and stuff like that, well, friends, I, I, that's good stuff. I like it. It gets us in the mood, and it's a good tool. But that's not the meat and taters. That's not, right? That's, you know, I've gone to restaurants. My wife and I have gone to restaurants. This is no kidding. We went, we been, went to this one place in South Bend. We wanted to go for a long time. We saved up money. We went to this place. I'm not going to tell you the name of it. But it's well known and very, it's hard to get in. And we went, and when they brought the plate out, I thought it was an hors d'oeuvre. I was not, I'm not kidding you. I'm like, is this it? It was, I, it looked like somebody uh, got uh, uh, one of those uh, uh, frosting things where you, and they, they, that was my wet potatoes. That's what, it was that. And, and I'm like, and I had a, a carrot or two and something else. I'm like, we, we spent, I, I don't remember how much it was, it was a lot. And we, this is no lie. We left there, went to McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> right? And I, and, I, and I think, this is like the emperor's new clothes. It took one little girl to say, well, he doesn't have anything on. The innocent one was the smartest of all because they were all afraid to say that he didn't have anything on. Are you kidding me? We live in a life like that today. That's what's going on. Just because people say, we're a church and we got a church on the front door and we, you got a sign and everything. You might be a church, but who are you serving? See, I, and I, listen, this isn't about, don't say, well, so is, I, I don't care who it is. I'm simply saying that just because you claim you're a church doesn't mean Christ thinks you are. Not for him anyway. You, you have to have certain elements in that church to be a Christian church. That's the way it is. And he determines it. We don't. So why are we trying to serve self? Why do we go to church? Because we want to get something out of it. Why don't you go make a decision to serve Christ with all your heart, mind, and strength, give everything you are to it, and I assure you, you'll get something out of it. That's a fact. You can't pick and choose when you're going to go, when you're not. I have news for you. There's going to be lots of times you don't feel like it. I know. Do you think there might not be Sundays I don't feel like coming here? You think I always want to see your smiling faces, even when they're not smiling? Of course I do. Because this is my vocation. This is, this is what I'm passionate. This is what God wants for me. This is what he has. I gave up much better paying jobs to do this. Why? Because he wanted me. And I don't want to do anything else now. So, and when I don't give my all, he, he, he reminds me. Right? And sometimes you think he wants you to remind me. <laughs> and maybe you should. But remember, the door swings both ways. <laughs> Amen. 
All I'm saying is, we're in this together. This is, this is God's church. It's His way. It should always be His way. And so when we come into these people and say, well, I think I must be right. When they say to us, you know, what about the Scripture? Well, I would say, look, the Scripture doesn't allow this. And they'll say, well, no, that's just a misinterpretation. Now, we all know that God is love, and he loves everybody. Again, of course he does. We're not talking about that. But just because God loves you doesn't mean he's going to say, do whatever you want. Come on. Live any way you want. Think anything you want. Teach Christianity any way you want. No. And I'm not being legalistic here. This is just truth versus Satan's compromise. That's all it is. And then they'll say things, well, we're all good people. And, uh, as long as we're not out there killing other people or stealing, you know, stuff like that, then we're Christians and God loves us just the way we are. <laughs> and he loves you all the way to the end. <laughs> and right there is going to define who you are. You're either going to be in him or out. Is there a way into heaven if you miss the rapture? Yeah, I think there is. You wouldn't want to go through it, though. I assure you, nobody in here wants to go through it. If I understand the apocalypse like I think I do, and I only did a little bit of work in this, you, you can't imagine what you'll have to go through because you won't survive it. You won't survive it. That's what the Bible indicates to me. You're going to and if you take the mark, now you'll, there's no way in. You're, you're done. And that's happening even now. Okay? Others are going to say, well, look, God just wants us to be happy and feel good. Do you think that's what God wants? I think God does want some things for you, but he wants you to be joyous. There's a difference between happy and joyous. And let's face it, you can have joy and not feel very good about things. Yeah? And then they'll say things like, hey, we're not hurting anybody. And you know, Jesus told us not to judge. No, that's not what he said. But you're going to, I know you're going to hang everything you are on that one portion of that scripture and say, you can't judge me because Jesus said don't judge. That's not what he said. He was disappointed that they weren't able to judge because they weren't there spiritually yet. He said, don't do it. He'd be better off if you don't. He said, don't look for the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a plank in yours. Now, get to the point where the plank is out and you're clear before the Lord now. Not only do you have the ability, you have the responsibility to judge. I can judge sin. You can judge sin. I can judge immorality. You can judge immorality. We know what it is. You can judge compromise in the Word of God versus non-compromise. But you can't determine if someone's going to heaven or not. They and God determine that. Yeah? That's what you can't judge. But I tell you what, we have some pretty strong indications in the lives of people. Sometimes it's your own. Because the Bible tells us. Friends, Satan wants people to believe that they shouldn't point fingers at anybody or ever judge anything in someone's life. And Jesus is saying just the opposite. 
He called the church of Pergamum and the church of today to repentance. Now, why would we need to repent if there weren't any problems with our Christian lives? Christ said, so repent, otherwise I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, friends, I have to tell you, <laughs> if there's any form of idolatry or immorality in your life, you have to repent. And you're going to have to not only stop compromising your walk with Christ and the word of Christ, but also be uncompromising in your morality as you walk with Christ. The sword out of the mouth, to me, is the key. And as our worship team comes, listen to this. He is clearly talking about his return. That's what the sword out of the mouth is. He mentions it again at the end of Revelation. Does he not, Pastor Bob? Okay. And it's gonna, he's going to smite those who will stand against him in the valley of Megiddo, in the cradle of civilization, between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, which we consider modern-day Iraq and partially Iran. That's where it's going to be. The Valley of Megiddo. The, the Battle of Armageddon is not the last battle. Everybody thinks it is, but it's not. It's the first battle. There's going to be a final battle. That one's going to be a little different. We'll get to that another day. But in the first battle, when Christ ascends the throne for the millennia, he will meet those forces of Satan, which is people. And he will... With the sword out of his mouth, the blood will come out of people so quickly that it will rise to the horse's bridle. That's pretty high. That's how much blood, how quick. Now, it's not going to stay that high very long. It's going to dissipate. But the fact of that's going to happen. That's the sword out of his mouth that he's talking about. And I have to tell you, I'm grateful thus far he has given us time that we're not at that point yet. I think we're pretty close. I think we're pretty close because when he raptures the church, only seven years remain before that battle. And then the millennial, see? And anybody who goes through the great tribulation of seven years is going to die a martyr's death and they won't want to see it. Revelation tells us you shall not want to see it. I believe him. Because I know the natural disasters, the nuclear disasters, they're going to be part of it as well. And the God-wrought disasters. It's so horrific, there will be no potable water. There will be no fish in the ocean because they'll all be floating and dying on the surface. Plants won't grow. The sun will scorch you from the nuclear winter as well as the heat from it. And everything's going to be upset because of sinfulness. And that's all. Now, I can tell you more about that one day. And we're going to go to Revelation one day. And we're going to teach it. But you're going to have to block out about a year and a half. And go every week. Two hours. But here's the deal. We've been given time. And we all have many friends and family members to set straight. Every one of us does. Many people who need to come to Christ and many who need to return to the truth of Christ because they're off somewhere living their own brand of Christianity 
and that's what they want. But that's not going to get them into heaven, my friends, no matter how much they think it is. And I pray that we will make the decision to be a powerful church in Christ, one that refuses to compromise the truth of spirituality, one that refuses to compromise the truth of doctrine and the truth of morality. We're just not going to do it. And not just do it ourselves, but not allow others to do it either without saying something. Stepping on toes? <laughs> well, friends, I have to tell you, that's a small price to pay for eternity, isn't it? It's a small price. And if you do, people will come. And when they do, Christ will be served. And we can look forward to the day when he rises to meet us and smiles, reaches out his hand, takes us by the hand and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Herein lies your reward because this is heaven. This is eternity. And it's yours, just like I promised it would be. Would you stand with me today? God does not want you to live by a bunch of rules and regulations. That's, that's what the church used to be. That's what the church used to say. Don't do this. Don't wear a dress a certain way. Don't wear jewelry. Don't, don't watch TV. Uh, look. I know where you live. I know what's around you. But you can live in the cesspool and have a heart for me. It isn't the rules and regulations that keeps you there. It's the heart that keeps you there. The desire for him. That's what does it. And so you are invited today to fix what's wrong. To have the strength and the wisdom to stand when those who compromise the truth. Because they're spreading a falsehood and you can put an end to it. Bring them to a place where they can see it. And now they'll start living for the truth and spreading the truth. That's how the church is going to right the ship. Otherwise, we never will. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.